All right, everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of The Fundamentalists. Two in a row. Two in a row. Yeah. Look at us go. It's good. It's good. Um, we forgot to do the thing. Do you? Are you at a comfortable distance from the mic? I think so. I'm going to try to talk about this a little bit. I yeah, I've got to make sure it's just the same as you. Yeah. So we're at the same volume. Um, hi, everybody. We're, we're pros at this. We're very good at yeah. what we do. We talk about this all the time, how, <laughs> how good we are at stuff. We're trying to figure out how to do like filters and stuff to make it look like we're not uh, approaching death, but we, uh, we'll figure all that out later. So uh, we have a very fun episode for you mm-hmm. this week, y'all, now that we're back into the swing of things. By the way, my name is Elliot Morgan. I'm a stand-up and internet comedian. This is my good friend, Dr. Peter Rollins, who is a philosopher, speaker, and theologian. We talk about all sorts of fun stuff all Last around. Last week, I was a great friend, I, and this is, I know I'm a good friend. I feel like I've gone down the, You're down the list a little bit. One of my best is friends or like come this in? guy. Yeah. I don't know okay. what you, it depends on how long you uh, spend in um, Belfast. So you had just ah, come yeah, back. Okay. So I was like, this is one of my favorite people. <laughs> but now you've been back. And I'm like, this is yeah. Pete. This is Pete. Yeah. Um, we're talking about uh, romance on this particular episode. I'm a little nervous about this episode, Pete. This was your one. This is your choice. Yeah. It feel, and I, that's probably by design in some way, but it's such a strange thing to. Uh, to talk about at all. So I'm very curious your thoughts on yeah, I'm it. excited. And um, I, uh, when it comes to romance, I feel like I personally have a relationship with the idea of romance that ebbs and flows m- sometimes in line with my actual relationships and sometimes in and of itself. I'll feel like a romantic person. I'll feel caught up in the wondrousness of life. And other times I'll be like, hold on, I need to actually make an effort to be romantic and I need to make an effort to activate that side of my brain because it's very easy for me to chill and, uh, and not worry about any of that stuff. But romance is such an interesting subject to me because I don't really understand it. I'm curious what your thoughts are on it from a philosophical and a psychoanalytic perspective. Mm-hmm. And I'm also curious what your personal thoughts on it are. If you consider yourself a romantic, if you consider what you do to be a romantic type of job, it's very like heady it's in the humanities it's very like um um what's the word i don't know yeah you know by I mean? the way do my feet look weird always yeah okay i forgot i should have put shoes on so i've got those weird socks no i like the that, socks uh, yeah, i think okay. those socks are the most comfortable things in the world yeah like the little no-shows that you can wear they just look, look weird on camera maybe. Oh, i think you look fine oh, yeah, okay. uh, right, i yeah. mean now everyone's just gonna be staring at you <laughs> yeah yeah uh, no, that all sounds great. So we want to talk about what romance is, the personal side of it, the philosophical side. The philosophical of it, side, yeah. And and wow. what like I'm so like I always feel like I could be more romantic. Like I could definitely up it. I feel like I'm pretty good at it, but people show it in different things. I would like to or in different ways. I would like to talk a little bit about the five love languages. Oh wow. I don't know what they are, but I'd love Do you to not? hear them. No. I've heard I've just heard the phrase five love languages. Okay. Yeah. Um well, Is one of them gift receiving gift or giving. gift giving? Yes. Mine's which, gift receiving. Gift receiving, yes. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's the second Which one. it would be. That's exactly <laughs> what that means. They say that you speak in usually the same uh, love language that you hear in. And so yeah. people like to, and most people, when they take this quiz, they like to go, uh, I'm 
bilingual because everyone likes to think they're a special little snowflake, yeah, yeah. but they're not. Um, so, Pete, we're going to. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do the quiz. I'm not. I, I, it, I take a, a principled stand against these things. Wow, your love okay, language maybe is being could, a buzzkill. That's okay, what your well, love language is. I'm happy to do it as long as, as long as you know that it's under duress and that I hate these things, and then I'll do it. That's literally what it says. It says, only take this under duress. Okay, well, then, okay. Uh, okay, <laughs> gender is male. What's your age, Pete? I am forty-seven. Wow, your your bracket is the last one. <laughs> oh God, before death. That is depressing. Whenever you're putting the brackets in, and you're like literally in the last bracket before yep. death comes to visit you. Um, yeah. Have you read the Five Love Languages Singles Edition? No, I know you have not. No, it's more meaningful to you, Pete, when someone you love sends you a loving note slash text slash email for no special reason, or when you hug someone you love. Um, yeah, I probably hugging's more important to me, maybe. Yeah. Interesting. It's okay. hard. To just, you know, it depends. Depends what the email says. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I... Depends what the hug's like. T- yeah, isn't that, yeah. Yeah, that's why these quizzes don't work. I know uh, what this is. <laughs> yeah, we can... Yeah. Sh- yeah. Have I had phone hugs call. recently? Have I not? I'm getting a phone call in the middle of this important quiz. I don't think so. From Carpinteria, California. Ooh. Not today. I'm trying to figure out what my friend's love language is. It's more meaningful to you, Pete, when you spend alone time with someone you love, just you and them, or when someone you love does something something practical to help you out. Uh, you know, again, depends the context, but generally the first stupid. one. The first one. Gonna, the first one. You want to keep doing one. this? Well, no, I don't. Yeah, this God, is stupid. No, please stop. You can. I can tell you. <laughs> with this, I can spend alone time. Means it's quality yeah, but, time. Someone but I love. Quality time I like best. Yeah, and yeah. someone someone I love does something practical to help me out. Is acts of uh, service. There's acts of service, gift giving, words of affirmation, physical touch, and quality time. I think that was all five of them. Very nice. Um, What's your love language? Do you know your time. love language? Quality time. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll 100%. probably be. I mean, I, I like that. The quality time. Depend- and, yeah. And I do appreciate the, the because I've, unlike, I will say most folks, and I think this is a very interesting thing about the five love language thing, is it's like a relic of straight up, to my knowledge, it's a relic of straight up evangelical, uh, like Christian, like old school evangelical Christianity. And it's okay. one of those things that's carried over into like secular, uh, more new agey world. Everyone's like, what's your love language? And I think that's a very interesting thing. It's like a, um, a little tether to that world that like people don't recognize it as yeah. being a very Christian thing. But it's a guy named Gary Chapman, I think, came up with the whole thing and wrote a book on it. And then, of course, they quizified it like they quizify everything. Yeah. So, yeah. What are your thoughts on romance? And I, okay. and, uh, if you guys got excited about that, that quiz sucked. I'm sorry. I know what that yeah. that was a bad one. No, I feel I'm a, I was a buzzkill there. I apologize. No, you weren't yeah, a buzzkill. Yeah. I, I would have kept going if that seemed cool. But if I can already tell where your little yeah. Planko or Planko, whatever that game is, um, which was that? It's a uh, Price is Right thing called Planko or Planko. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's a little ball and it goes. Oh yeah, I played that in yeah. our kids. If you can see where the quiz answers are going, it's not very fun. It's like okay, that's gonna anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I. When you when you said I want to do romance this morning, I thought uh, I wanted to start by trying to give a definition of what romance is. Right. So good call. I uh, thought you were going to give me flowers. <laughs> so here's what I thought. I, I'm going to give you three, not three definitions. I'm going to work work towards the definition. See what you think. First thing I thought is romance is the art of inflaming desire. But it, love it. Right. But that's not explicit enough because obviously advertising is about that as well right so Mm. i was like okay romance is about the sexualization of sex 
which we've talked about before, yes. is right. How do you make sex sexual? You add on to you it. Yeah, have to add on to it. We can't have sex without sexuality or whatever. That's a concubine. Oh. No. No, no. Isn't it? A concubine who has sex without sexuality. I don't know, man. I'm reading this book about this dude who was like, uh, straight up like, I don't... One of the early people, one of the early ones, he was like in the Hellenistic era and he took a concubine because he felt like having a little bit of sexual pleasure was okay. You just couldn't fall in love. Oh, uh, right. Which okay. I think is very funny that back in the day it was like, just don't get late. Like, these bitches will get you if you're not careful. <laughs> I think it's very humorous. But yeah. anyway, yeah. yeah. Well, okay. But then, so, but then that's maybe a better definition of seduction. So here's the definition, and I'm, I'm uh, indebted to Bruce Fink, <clears throat> who mm-hmm. wrote a book called The Can on Love. Very good book on love. <clears throat> Have um, I met Bruce Fink? No, because yeah. I haven't met good. him. And I, I never wanted to. He was my psychoanalyst for a year, and I never met him. I knew the name. Yeah. Okay, cool. We never even talked. Really? <laughs> yeah, no, we didn't talk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you talked. <laughs> that would have been a lot of money for nothing. We didn't talk very much. I mean, Psychoanalysis? I you paid a lot of money for nothing? <laughs> hey yeah. All right. Yeah. You liked to short session me, anyway. Um, <laughs> his... Uh, uh, lo- uh, Romance is the art of bringing desire and love into the same location. <clears throat> so, love that. What a wonderful. Yeah. Did you? That's Bruce Fink's? Yeah, it's kind of like using Bruce Fink and psychoanalysis. Because this is for Freud, the main problem we have, by the way, is, is we have love objects, we have objects we desire, but it's very hard to love and desire the same person. Yes. So, I was thinking that romance is the art of attempting to weave love and desire into the same individual. Love. I mean, it, it, that's one of those things where one of those statements I feel like that rings true, yeah. regardless of whether I understand it, which I don't think I totally do. But my understanding, my attempted at understanding would be. Um, when you desire something, you desire to possess it. You desire to uh, have it be all yours, like a little goblin that you can <clears> take and you can just <throat> and you can have your way with it. And then love is when you are just in awe of something that is beyond you, that is be that is so much greater than you. And so to to romance is yeah, would be the yeah. effort of bringing those two things together. Yeah, and and like in a very concrete way, like so. Here's a. Can I give a couple of examples of where love and desire aren't in the same location? And we can start there. Yeah, yeah. I, okay, I'm um, sure we can do a whole will, episode of this. Yeah, I want to tell you also my favorite romance story and, and remind me about that. But um, yeah, so I'll give a typical ma- male example, typical female example, but that, you know, they're, they're, you, there's, you'll find women who are like the male example and, mm-hmm. and vice sure. versa. But uh, you often will find... Uh, obsessive individuals who they're with their partner, they're married, right? They really love their wives and they'll do anything for them. They value them highly, but they don't enjoy seeing the sexual expression of their partner. They don't enjoy sex. They find it kind of almost like their their wife is too pure. And so even the expression of sexuality in their partner is almost, you know, disturbing to them and if they do have sex with their partner which they do either through feeling like they they should a duty uh, or an obligation they can only do it while fantasizing about somebody else or using pornography or something like that however they can then desire someone that, that who they don't love but they get really turned on by who say is their friend's partner or somebody who they work with, somebody who's impossible to get. So their desire, their sexual desire is over here. Their love is in there with their partner, but they haven't woven love and desire together. I love that. Yeah. 
I have a term that I don't know if other people have used it, but uh, I've <coughs> shared it in the past with my partner, uh, which is meth hot. Uh, oh my! Have I talk, have we talked term. about this? No, but it's already a very good. You term. see where this is going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a type of attraction that I can, or some men can have, uh, toward meth hot, which is sort of the. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's hot in a way that is a drug-addicted sort of uh, different type of person that I would normally associate. So foreign from what I would associate with. And there's, yeah, it's a, I, I've categorized it as uh, as that. And it's someone, it's a type of person that I would not want a relationship. It's the, it's the quintessential girl you can't bring home to your parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, there's Freud's first way of theorizing this, just, just as an aside, but is that you can talk about mother one and mother two. Mother one is the mother who is completely there for you as the infant and offers you everything you need, sustenance, security, love. And then mother two is when you realize that your mother has desires and sexual desires for someone who's not you, mm -hmm. say the, so the partner. And so it have kind of betrayed you for someone else. And, um, and so you have this dichotomy and for some mm -hmm. People, some guys, they have a dichotomy. They call it the, the you know, the Madonna whore split. Yes. Right. You either see a woman as pure. I couldn't have sex with my wife. She's too pure. And then the the woman who is just like pure, like the bad girl who you want meth hot. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and a problem for guys who are experiencing that is then how do you weave? How, what is the art of romance? What? How do you weave love and desire into the same person? Yep. And for women have it as well like a typical kind of female thing sometimes you find is the bad boy right an outsider right. guy who is not nice doesn't love you you know he's just gonna uh use you um you but you can't help but find yourself desiring and so maybe the woman would say why can i not find myself a good person but it's because they can't desire a good person now they can love a good person but they can't desire a good person mm -hmm. and then who they're desiring say this kind of outsider figure um they desire and they may even think they love but actually if it ever went anywhere they'd very quickly realize that's yep. meth hot for for, yep. for this woman um, and again they're having this struggle of maybe they do end up marrying someone who they really like uh, but they find themselves weirdly they do want to be sexual around mm -hmm. um, but they find themselves really liking that guy who's an asshole mm -hmm. um, and again there's a there's a disconnect between love and desire they're not finding the same location I see this all the time. I'm seeing it right now. And uh, I mean, I think varying degrees exist in all relationships, of course. And, you know, it ebbs and flows. But there's a um, there's a show called Married at First Sight. And oh, yeah, and you've this, told me about this. Yeah, <laughs> and there's one particular couple right now where it's this guy who uh, he's he's just this overlaps a little bit with another podcast that I do, Pete. I'm sorry, but yeah. I don't, I another don't have philosophical a philosophical one. Is it another yes, philosophy called pilot on it's right. heavy on philosophy, heavy on philosophy. But, uh, there is a, uh, a couple where, yeah, the guy, I guess, like divulged to the girl that he, um, he's got clinical depression and there's this whole debate being sparked because she's not very attracted to him because he is, like quintessential nice guy he's in touch with his emotions even the fact that he's aware that he can go through clinical depression the fact that he's told his new wife that he has yeah. clinical depression to her on one hand is like thank you so much for telling me this but also i don't necessarily i'm not super attracted to a guy who's just like 
so emotionally connected and i got on twitter like a little uh you know gossip columnist and was looking <laughs> at the hashtag for the show and there's all these people going against this girl for being like how dare you not you know be attracted to this guy and not like this guy because he's being honest he's being so raw with his emotions and she's just being you know in my in, yeah. in defense it's of not him. desirous to her like yeah. Even, yeah her desire is not sparked and there's yeah. nothing you can do about that mm -hmm. like there's mm -hmm. no you can't tell someone that like your guy's too nice for you not to be attracted to. Like, yeah. That's like the old school. That's like elementary school when, when girls used to be like, why don't you have a crush on her? And I'd be like, because I don't. And I remember being a kid and being like, that's so weird that you think I can like turn it on. And this was in like fourth and fifth grade. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's it's very rare. Like this is this is the crazy thing. It's very rare to be able to to bring these two into the same location. That's why this is a great subject for me. It's like, because we can talk about how do, you, how do we do it? Like, what, what is the art of romance? Because another thing happens is you can actually start going out with the person that you desire and you don't necessarily love them. You really desire them. And then very gradually, the desire kind of transitions into love and then the desire begins to dissipate. That's not uncommon. Yeah. Um, and again, that's, that's a problem. Like, you know, seven-year you slump. You hear about it in that term. Yeah. You're, I mean, even they say marriage itself can kind of kill a lot of that. I know that's that's one of the issues I'd love I to talk about. Yeah, is, yeah. No, I don't won't know. talk about. It. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about that. Yeah. Oh, oh well, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I forgot I was married. For oh yeah, I forgot there for a second. Yeah, yeah. I did too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, that's relevant. Oh, that was that that Elliot from back in the day. That wow. Kid. Yeah. But anyway, Old school yeah. Elliot. How do um, we bring them together, Pete? What's the the answer? Also, if you want to pass me some of this prairie. Oh, yes, please. Uh, oh, yeah. There we go. If you could take me out of that book from your bookshelf called, it's a, it's organic, Prairie Organic Gin, folks. Yeah, not sponsored by either. That's just what we're drinking. A friend bought me it. I don't know much about it, but. Well, here we go. Now we're going to really be able to open up. Yeah. That's what does it. Um, yeah, how do we do it? How do we bring forth? Okay, so let's, let's talk. Uh, Give two, maybe I should give two examples of attempts of Perfect people sound. to bring romance, right? Um, okay, yeah, okay, here's, blah, here's, blah, blah, blah. here's two examples. Here's a, right. here's, here's a typical kind of male fantasy. It's not exclusively male fantasy, but it's quite, you, you'll find it more in men than women. Is Because <laughs> um, I'm just thinking about this because I literally read this morning about a guy, a public figure, who allegedly was caught doing this. And, uh, mm hmm uh, so it's, I know exactly what you're going to talk about. Is that right? Okay. Um, well, can I give an example? Can, can I give yeah, it? Give the example right and see if you're right. My goodness. So there's a public figure who it came to light that perhaps his wife of uh, however many years had been having a, an affair with, let's just say, someone who does maintenance on a small personal body of water, <laughs> and when they were fornicating, the man himself would watch. Yeah. Yes, that's it. So that is a common fantasy. Cuck. Actually, I was surprised actually that people were surprised at this. Going like, yeah, that's a, and it's it's unlikely it was the woman's choice. You know, you more often it's a man who will come to his wife and say, um, uh, "Would you have sex with someone else while I watch?" And uh, and often often the woman kind of more reluctantly does it. 
This is a very I hate that I think I know where you're going. I hate that I think I know where this is going. It makes me so uncomfortable. Is that right? But I was hoping this would get a little uncomfortable, so it's fine. But I knew I yeah, it was a premonition when I poured the the second gin and tonic. I know where this is going. I get Uh, it. I've thought about this. I was actually thinking about this when the story broke. Is that right? Because it was like everyone going, uh, oh my gosh, it's okay. Okay. I also have another thing I want to bring up real fast. Okay. We're talking about Falwell. Right. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Is that okay? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, yeah. I doubt he's a listener. He um, may be. I, I just feel bad because, to be honest, when I read it, I was like, oh, that doesn't seem fine. Just they're 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 have. But, but I know the issue is he he would be judgmental about that when other people do it. So yes, I get. 100%. I actually hundred percent understand why people are upset. But I do think it's worth talking about how, like, <clears throat> I don't know exactly how to explain this, but I think it is so funny that we live in an age where a story like that can break and everyone on the internet is just like, it's fine if you do this. Oh, yeah. like, whatever you do behind closed doors, you're consenting, they're consenting, whatever gets your rocks off, go for it. Yeah. It's the fact that you're a hypocrite in your everyday uh, life yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that yeah. is terrible. But in my mind, I'm like, I don't know, man, how... I just think it's so, it would be so uh, weirdly disappointing if you had this big grandiose secret that you were holding like this or that you think is grandiose. Mm-hmm. And when it's divulged, everyone on the internet is like, yeah, we don't care. We just think you're a piece of shit. Oh, yeah, like yeah. that's very, uh, I don't know. I think it's yeah. very funny and also probably very frustrating because I would imagine someone like that expects some sort of big hand of God judgment from the yeah. internet when in actuality it's like, no, just do your thing. But well, anyway. And by the way, I'm sure, I mean, this is what I want to talk about with the female fantasy a bit, but I'm sure the transgressive nature of it was part of what electrified it. So the fact that exactly. he- Exactly, that's was, what I'm getting at. Exactly. exactly yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so it's kind of it's annoying if it's, not, if, it's, yeah, if it's not a taboo. It's like cause the taboo nature. Now, oh, and now that we've named them, I can't say- what I was going to say. We can well, cut it out. No, well, I've, I've got a suspicion about his sexual orientation, but I won't go into that. But Yeah, no one will have any guesses as to what that might be. Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> you won't go into it. What what could it possibly be? <laughs> is that right? Yeah. yeah. But here's, here's the fascinating thing about this kind of fantasy is um, there's a very romantic thing, you know, you ask your wife, could you have sex with a younger man while it's I beautiful. masturbate and watch? Yes. What could be more beautiful? Yeah, it's a, it's a Friday night romantic <laughs> evening. Um, what, the, what is probably attempting to be done by him is to bring love and desire, to bring desire back into a love relationship yeah. that he, you know, that probably loves his wife. And but that that the, there wasn't enough desire, so there had to be a way to spark desire. Yeah. Now, for an obsessive per- guy, great. By uh, the way, what's that? Great. Oh yeah, great, great. I have no problem with that. Oh yeah, and the, the the thing and the thing that's interesting about it is it's a love triangle, but it's a it's a very in your face love triangle. So it's like you're literally have a guy having sex with your partner, and then. They're not really having sex with the partner. They're kind of having sex with you who's watching because that's then generating a, an obstacle and the yeah. obstacle generates desire. And so you're bringing desire and love and, but into the same location. I'm uh, using a very extreme example. It's an extreme example. <laughs> I also wonder, and this is a great place. This is a, I'd love to sit on this for a second, no pun intended. Yeah. Uh, but it also, I think, might be tied somewhat into the proliferation and overall acceptance in today's society of pornography because there is something, you're basically just doing live porn. Like you are 
and porn in my experience with it. And I've, I, I've gone up and down with my views on porn. I think some people are very like liberal with it. I tend to be like, yeah, it seems to, you know, anything in excess, but I think porn, uh, you know, you're sitting there, you're watching two people have sex and it is a way of shutting down sort of, I think, the love part of your brain or the romantic part of your brain and, and dissociating in a way that is like you're in total control. And so there is a weird control thing that happens where I think you're watching two people have sex and you're just basically going porn bad, but this okay. Yeah, although I think there is a difference between watching two people have sex and, and asking your partner to have sex with someone mm. like, you mm. know, so. Yeah, yeah, no, it's up in the ante for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's up in the ante. And, and I think for an obsessive individual, it's a kind of way of attempting to, as I say, spark, bring desire back into a love relationship. Um, for for a, a, a common female fantasy, Again, not exclusively female, but a common female fantasy is having sex in dangerous places, right? So yeah, that's a common one. Um, having sex where somewhere where you might get caught. And again, that is a type of fantasy in which maybe in a love relationship where desire is gone, that, that prohibitive dimension, um, that transgressive dimension is kind of what enables uh, the person to start to desire their love object. I think it's just your access. Yeah, you're accessing. You're figuring out ways consciously to access a that primal kind of thing that you you feel if you didn't have, or you would feel if you didn't have all the intelligence that we carry as people. Yeah. Like, right? Like you're walking around. And you're like, I'm this person, and you might have to live in society, and I'm doing this thing. And then you're like, how can I get creative and remove these limitations, these taboos behind closed doors? That all makes sense, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. you just you're 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 getting back in touch with the idea that there's something that you can't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I would say like marriage- this is, we're talking about in this conversation, which I like. We're talking about one of the most basic things, one of the most basic problems that human beings face. Like it's just one of the most basic. However, one does it, good or bad, it's like love and desire um, often aren't and potentially never are. Um, symmetrical never mm-hmm. are commensurable and we're working how how we kind of like bring them together as best we can and there's healthier ways and i use two funny extremes just to kind of make a point you know but but the point is you can see why those two things the the guy who's getting his wife to have sex with someone else the woman who's asking to have sex in dangerous public places or mm-hmm. in toilets in an airplane or whatever you can see that oh what they're they're attempting to do is bring desire back into love. And the other issue is how to bring love into a desirous relationship, but that's another. Love into a desirous yeah. relationship. But yeah. can I tell you my favorite romance story? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You could say no. I would love that. Would did. be weird. I'd love but to talk I said about no, anything I other said than what no we've been talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to move on. <laughs> well, it makes me uncomfortable because I know, as I've said, and I won't keep harping on who it is, but. You know, my if you have an active imagination, and you know, I, yeah, we can move on. I'd love to hear some. Oh no, story I'd love to hear you what. You, what you, no, no, I just I'm, I don't want to. I don't want. I don't like imagining any of what we've seen or what we've been talking about thus far in regards to who we've been talking about. I just don't think it's a fun thing to think about because. Uh, but it's so funny the pool boy thing. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> it's such yeah. it's such a funny. Um, just the sheer clicheness of it is yeah. like marvelous yeah the yeah. fact that it's a a pool it was a pool boy like the that is a porn 
Oh yeah, it's a trope. motif. Yeah, that's right. Motif. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yes, yeah, tell me a romance fine. story, Pete. Romance. Bro. Romance, yeah. So the year is 1116. Already hot. Uh, uh, yeah. It's uh, Abelard, Peter Abelard, who is um, one of the greatest philosophers of his generation. He's got the, the head, he's a chair of, of logic in uh, University of Paris. Okay. Um, he's a canon in uh, Notre Dame Cathedral. He's this brilliant mind. What's his name? Uh, Abelard. Peter Abelard, and uh, he's 37 years old, and he's very famous, very well known, um, as one of, let's say, the, the greatest logicians of his age. And this, Christian? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, so he's very Catholic. high up in the religious thing, you know, um, and then this, and in fact, this is partly what the problem is, because he's kind of, I don't know if he's taken vows of chastity, but he is very much a religious figure and you definitely more pure like uh yeah you stay away from the, yeah you don't have sex you don't have sex well he's, he's a canon of notre dame cathedral i don't know what like what they voice they've taken but no sex yeah pretty much um and then at any rate sex bad sex bad physical pleasure bad unless you're married and all piety that. good does that piety good piety good yeah but then this beautiful woman, 19 years old, who's very, very intelligent, called 19? Eloise. 19? 37 years old, 19? Yeah, 37 or 19, right. So it's, you know, it's the age row, difference. Row. Yep. And uh, she's very smart. Like, she obviously knows who he is. She's gone to Paris to study under him. But he's also heard that she's a very bright and talented student. He's heard that? Yeah. So he kind of, you know, Kind of or kind of realizes quite quickly anyway that she's very brilliant. He's the one who said, "I keep getting older, but they stay the same age." <laughs> you know that quote? No, Matthew McConaughey. That. <laughs> That's a great. Yeah. He said that Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. I keep getting older, they stay the same age. Yeah, yeah. That's a very male thing. Yep. Um, the uh, so yeah, they they fall in love like head over heels in love. Uh, he wants to marry her, but she doesn't want to get married, and she's partly saying one something you mentioned. She says, "Oh, like." Like basically, why marry and destroy the love? Um, and but but she mostly just doesn't want to ruin his reputation. If it all got out, people would be very shocked. She doesn't want to ruin his reputation. Yeah, yeah. Maybe she just doesn't like him that maybe much. Maybe she wants, or maybe she wants the power to control his reputation. Yeah. Well, also these two are like they're they're the the fact that it's a prohibited relationship. They're both loving, right? And right. she's getting so she doesn't want to finish that. That's definitely. Um, What's called jouissance is where you can you start to enjoy the not having mm -hmm. you you like foreplay really, but the pleasure of not getting and it generates so it just gets so explosively powerful mm -hmm. the sexual desire and this love right it's right there. Eventually, it kind of starts to get out because it's obvious that something's going on, um, and then her uncle finds out. This guy Flaubert, I think his name is. So this guy, this uncle finds out. Uh, he tries to stop the relationship, doesn't work. So one night, this is the romantic bit. Um, oh no, I they, know. Yeah, some they, shit that you say they, it's not romantic at all. I bet. <laughs> You're about to say some terrible shit. He kills her or some shit, I bet. Oh. This is going to be really dark, I bet. Yeah, well, once one day they break into his apartment, they hold him down and they castrate him. Hell yeah, that'll teach him. Yeah, yeah. So castrate the guy. Yeah, it's extreme, a very extreme thing. And then the uncle? The uncle. Uncle gets some people together and does this. He's very upset. Me think, yeah. And this puts a spanner in the works. Um, so after this, she joins a nunnery. 
And he starts to go from one monastic, from one monastery to the next. And they start writing to each other these beautiful love letters. Beautiful love letters. I'm actually going, I got, I've got the book. It's just another bottle of gin. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, by the way, so... You got, that's the book? Well, this is a book of uh, the world's great letters, but it has the letters... That book of, looks like somebody designed it in the idea of a book. <laughs> yeah, no, this such is, a ridiculous-looking book. This is the kind of book you'd see in a never-ending story no, or yeah, something. In a, yeah. In, a, yeah, in a movie where you have to have a book. Yeah, that's this a book a, from the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is great. So this... Um, they Oh, yeah, when he died... So they write letters to each other. And then when he died, his body was given to Eloise to bury. And then she was buried alongside him when she died, like 20 years later. So, and I'll, I want to read the inscription. It's beautiful, but I'll read a couple of bits out of this. Please. Um, okay. Is this going to be more about the castration part? No. Well, maybe it'll touch on it. Uh, oh, yeah. So Eloise writes this. Uh, Why should I conceal from you the secret of my call? You know it was neither zeal nor devotion that brought me here. So she's basically saying she's not religious. Like she is the ultimate example of, you know, whenever you break up with someone and some guys fantasize that the woman will never be with anybody again, they'll become a nun. Well, Eloise did this. Wow, <laughs> she, she actually really did. did yeah. She really did. And she joined the nunnery not for any religious reasons. Um, your conscience is too faithful a witness to permit you to disavow it. Yet here I am and here I will remain to this place an unfortunate love and a cruel relation have condemned me. But if you do not continue your concern for me, if I lose your affection, what have I gained by my imprisonment? And it keeps going, but basically she's saying, I'm becoming a nun, never gonna be with anyone else. All I care about is remembering you. Mm -hmm. So love and desire, like profound love, profound desire. And, um, and then he writes, that he writes about the uncle. Um, hey, I wish he wouldn't have done this thing. Yeah, this is a real pisser. Dear Eloise, I appreciate the letter. I miss my balls. <laughs> he because says, this is after he's been castrated? Yeah, after he's been castrated. Um, so these are, the letters, um, there's a certain question as to whether they're authentic or not. And I, but um, who knows? But he says, your uncle, who was fond of you, <laughs> your uncle, who was fond of you, Barely. became my enemy and revenged himself on me. If now having lost the power of satisfying my passion, I had also lost that of loving you, I should have some consolation. My enemies would have given me that tranquility which Oregon promised with a crime. How miserable am I? I find myself much more guilty in my thoughts of you, even amidst my tears, than in possessing you when I was in full liberty. I continually think of you. I continually call to mind your tenderness. So he's basically saying, like, I, I so hope that when they castrated me, they would also take away my desire, but they didn't. The mm -hmm. desire is as strong as ever. Um, so they write these letters. Eventually... Um, Do they never have sex? No, I don't think so. Uh, you know, it was pure, <laughs> like they, God. well, the sex became mm. not having sex. Yeah, so yeah, yeah they had yeah, sex, sure. they had the best sex. Sure. <laughs> well, the best sex sure. is not having sex. That's the trick. That they seems like that somebody trick. hasn't that's had the... sex. So that, that seems like somebody who's been castrated by their girlfriend's uncle. <laughs> so here's what's said on the, on the uh, tombstone. Here under the same stone, repose of this monastery, the founder, Peter Abelard, and his first uh, and the first abbess Eloise, hitherto in study, genius, love, inauspicious marriage, and repentance, 
now as we hope in eternal happiness united. I think that's beautiful. It's actually incredibly beautiful. It's a very, a very tragic and beautiful. Very tr- bonkers tragic and bonkers like it, humans are crazy. Yeah. Humans yeah. are out of their minds. Yeah. Crazy. Like, that's so <laughs> nuts. Uh, but also just Have like, you ever done anything like that for Grace? Uh, oh, Got yeah. Castrated. No, I've been castrated for so many years. Yeah. There was no, it's already been done. But uh, yeah, I mean, that the language that they used to speak back then is so beautiful in and of itself that you could be saying anything but it's like how do you even this is you know we talk with such bluntness now but like that kind of thing is it's so even saying hearing the words on a phonetic level is is uh has its like it's imbibed with a certain amount of love it's very beautiful very beautiful and you know what it connects to like it connects to our last week's episode about sacrifices one of the reasons why it's it's difficult for us to experience the, the the transcendental dimension of love and desire that they reached is because we don't know the level of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Like and, and the kind of the ultimate sacrifice of them is they sacrificed, they didn't have sex, they became she became a nun, he he was castrated, and that that the level of that sacrifice, what it actually did weirdly is is it created a depth of pleasure in the suffering, exquisite suffering. And um, they, they probably experienced a romantic event th- that few people have experienced. Yeah. Th- it is possible, and we do experience it a little bit in contemporary society, but I think it's hard because there is, um, you can have sex when you want, you could, there's no lack of prohibition, lack of transgression. It desexualizes sex, you know? Yeah, um, there's a real bummer that's happened I've come to the the full in full support of is the uh, the promiscuity the sort of the yeah the stock price has gone down I yeah. think on a, a lot of sex and a lot of relationships because of just the ease of everything else in life like it's the same as everything else we can get from point A to point B in a no it we're so life is so convenient that we've I think lost the ability to or the necessity to give of ourselves and to learn what it feels like. But I also, with people like that, it reminds me a little bit of the Romeo and Juliet thing. I'm a sucker for Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, that yeah. shit is so romantic. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, that's yeah. And that's all about crazy. sacrifice, and that's all about impossibility. It's all about transgression. All of those elements are in Romeo yeah, and Juliet, and, and, and that's you, what makes it and incredible. And they barrel forward with it because of this, like, all-encompassing love. It's so beautiful, but... uh yeah, that's so crazy. I wonder. I would like to hear the letter from the uncle. I yeah, like to, I'd like to hear the. I don't. I want to see the notes app that yeah. the uncle has, where he's like, "Listen, I know I shouldn't have castrated you." So this is what we need. Like, we should make a dating app. If I was a business person, I always I say this quite often, but I would make it. If I was this, a business yeah, person, and then I'd say something, but like the um, a dating app, in which which brings. Um, prohibition into it. You'd have to figure out how to do it. But because I've heard, I talked to, um, I have a couple of friends. I was on their podcast. It's called, um, what's their podcast called? Uh, the Bachelor. It's about The Bachelor. Um, but the, we were talking about how in The Bachelor, very few of these people who get together actually end up together. But there's a couple of exceptions. And the exceptions are often whenever something didn't work. And someone got booted off the shoe, and then the other person then went and pursued them. And I actually was talking to someone who had used Twitter. And what happened is, 
if I get this right, right, they said no to somebody on Twitter, so they swiped, and then they Twitter or them. Tinder? You mean Tinder or Tinder? Tinder. That's right. Sorry, Tinder. They swiped on on Tinder. I think maybe even they swiped yes, but they had a couple of conversations. The whole thing died, and then by pure chance, they met this person at this bar, and the person was leaving the country for a month. So they had this brief encounter. Right, and then they were leaving the country, and that's what sparked off the desire, and that sparked off the relationship. Because w- the reason why it died on Tinder is because there was no prohibitions back and forth. They meet in this bar. He's going away for a month. It's like it's just like we're only going to have one hour together. Then the desire sparks. Then they communicate while he's away, and then they get back, and the relationship happens. Because the one thing that was missing from the Tinder thing was a was a prohibition. Love it. It's so fun. Once mm. it's and you can try to force it mm-hmm. and it won't happen. Yeah. And then when it does happen, you're like, okay, I get it. There's a, yeah, it's a, uh, a romance in general does feel a little bit like a breeze that kind of comes through. And if you, if the timing is right and two people are in the same area, then it can work out great. But if you obsess over it and you become, uh, almost like a romantic then I think it doesn't which I also see in a lot of these reality TV shows is these these dudes and these girls that have they have such a defined image of what something should look like what something should be like that they they use their experiences to either fit or not fit their ideas and it either it usually ends in a disaster yeah I mean especially because a lot of these shows um, everybody's pretty perfect now the example you used was different the guy was admitting to being depressed but often these people they look beautiful they they seem like they've got their lives together and Lacan the psychoanalyst he said that basically you can't love someone who's perfect you can desire someone who's perfect but you can't love someone who's perfect and so we've talked about how to get desire back into love but then the other issue is how to bring love into desire and Lacan beautifully says in the seminar, I think, um, love is giving someone what you do not have. Uh, and what he means by that is... Isn't it love is giving some something to someone you don't have so that, that they don't... It's, that they isn't don't it longer want. than that? Yeah, yeah. They, well, there's, yeah, there's a few kind of... He kind of says it a few times, and one of the times is love is giving something you do not want to some... No, love is giving something you do not have to someone who does not want it. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. And that that is brilliant. Let's look at that quote. Um, So you're giving something you do not have because when you say you love someone, you're saying, I have a lack. I am incomplete. And not that you complete me, but that my incompleteness is related to you. You make my incompleteness and you exacerbate it and you somehow make it bearable. So whenever you say to someone, I love you, the first time you say, I love you, it's very dangerous because you're saying, I am lacking, I have a lack, and that lack is related to you. So you're giving something you do not have, your lack, to someone who doesn't want it, in a sense, because the last thing we want is, you know, someone's weakness sometimes, you kind of want someone's strength, you want someone's power, whatever, but love is when actually you enjoy the weakness of the other you actually can bear it they can bear your lack and you can bear theirs that's love yeah that's love that's love well yeah, that's i mean that's that's because love. that's what you are as a human mm. 
Otherwise, you're just loving. Otherwise, it would be either lust or conquest, I guess. Yep. Right? Yep, that's it. Lust is, lust is kind of the opposite of love in that way where there is no lack. You kind of like see the other as a type of yeah. fulfillment of yourself. And, yeah. <sighs> Wonderful. I keep thinking about when, because uh, I, I was, I only relate it to this, the current relationship that I'm in, but I remember being so vividly, I remember landing in Vegas when you, I think, were already there. And oh, it was yeah. me, you and Curtis. And I remember the cell phone, the message came in from, uh, the text came in from Grace was like, okay, I'm on my way to, because I the whole like, trip was me inviting her and then she canceled for some odd reason. And then on a whim decided to come. And I remember turning to Curtis and being like, if this girl comes to Vegas to hang out with me, I'm going to be with her a lot. I'm mm. going to go hang out with her. And I felt bad, but yeah. also not bad at all. Yeah. I was yeah, like yeah, completely yeah. like, ah, you're going to be mad at me and I'm going to deal with that because I know you came to Vegas. We're going to have a good time. Bye. And yeah. that's exactly what happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you disappeared. Guys, like, and, I disappeared. Yeah. We saw each other a little bit. Then yeah. she, Grace didn't know either. She wasn't trying. She felt bad. And then I was like, well, no, no, it I was great care. for me because I don't like spending much time with you. So I was mm-hmm. perfect. You know, well, I know. I, tell, I, I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, yeah. that was like a version of a romantic. You know, but yes, because there was there was pr- there was like um, obstacle. She wasn't coming. Was she coming? There was like there was a, a big gesture Leap of on her, fa- on her fart on her part. Um, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So because that's it. Like basically, sacrifice, prohibition, and transgression are all in, intimately in connect, interconnected with the art of romance. And if we define the art of romance as weaving love and desire in the same individual, then there's a, there's some way of bringing desire, sorry, sacrifice, yeah. prohibition, and transgression in through uh, an act of will, uh, yeah, a conscious decision to put yourself out there in some way, which is a sacrifice. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like yep. The Tinder thing, I don't know, man. I, I remember all that stuff. Mm. I um I don't have much of a hard opinion on it. Like, I honestly think these days. I guess I do have an opinion. I guess this is kind of a sad thing, but I think you can nail a certain level of romance on Tinder and on, I mean, my relationship started by sliding into somebody's DMs. It happens. And I mm-hmm. think that in today's era, our our scope maybe is a little limited. Like reading something like that is so intimidating because you're like, there's no there's not even a world that allows for those kinds of circumstances anymore. Have you ever had a love where an uncle was threatening to cut, cut your, your nutties off? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's true. That has not happened. Even like I'm reading (laughs) these, this stuff right now on, on the history of all this stuff and whatever. And the amount of times that people were just killed because they were like, Hey, I don't think the earth, is the center of the universe. Like, <laughs> yes, you do. And then there's like all these, other, even ones like uh, the uh, so- uh, Socrates was another one, got mm. killed because he was infecting the minds of the youth and all this stuff. And there, he's even perverting that. Perverting the young. What's that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's perverting the minds per- of the youth. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right, yeah. Yeah. And then so he, d- he, he doesn't fight it. He just drinks his hemlock or whatever and smiles and falls to his death. And I'm like, holy shit, these dudes did not give an F. And they used their deaths as like a punctuation mark on their overall life philosophy and i'm like i don't know i think i want to be cremated I have no- <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that's it socrates is like the the martyr of philosophy it's quite yeah. incredible um and then did. uh mm. i was reading about another one that was like 
I think he was some kind of a stoic or something. It was like during the early middle ages and he got wind that the emperor wanted him dead because of what he was saying about like believing that you could have some kind of a happy life. And he, he said uh, he didn't write anything down. He just was like, let my life be a testament. And then he just like opened his, it says he opened his veins and just got into a hot bath and basically killed him, you know, killed himself. And I'm like, damn like wow, yeah. i i'm not in support of any of that but at the same time I'm like they did that like it was clockwork yeah, they were yeah. like yeah okay you want i'm like oh my god and then yeah. you have this castration stuff and then you have us and we're like do you like me on twitter yeah. swipe right or swipe left i don't know i know like i mean life and death that's the why dialectically in religion like life and death are connected in order to find life you must lose it and you know in mm-hmm. order to get to the light you go into the darkness because and Heidegger was big on this, is actually you can live without acknowledging and embracing death, but but you can't necessarily make life worth living without embracing death of some sort, without effacing death. And um, that's we, we, we are afraid of death, you know, we, we run from it. Not all of us, but we live in a society where we can hide death yeah. very well, you know. Oh, I mean, I've caught myself being, I'll be hesitant about being romantic for fear of rejection mm-hmm. in a relationship. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Mm. Like, but you know, that is, that, like, that's a perfect example of what Lacan means about giving what you do not have, that there is something very risky about about showing vulnerability to the one you love. It's trustful, right? Yes, trustful, because you are showing not your strength. You're showing, you're basically saying, I am a lacking creature. I I have not just lacking as in I'm hungry, I'm lacking existentially. And, and not only am I lacking, but it's connected with you. You have exacerbated that lack and you can make it easier to bear. Yeah. And so the individual can turn around to you and say, well, no, I don't care. Do you feel like you're a romantic person? Uh, yeah, I well, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, within yeah, it. yeah. I mean, uh, definitely. Actually, well, I mean, I'm really fascinated and personally, you're a fucking and philosopher, and, dude. You're yeah. definitely romantic and on yeah. some level. You chose a pretty. Uh, I mean, you chose a profession that is inherently like. Uh, it's, it's an attractive profession in a romantic yeah. oh, sense. And by the way, yeah, you know, the word romance comes from like Romanesque, Roman, which means novel, which means fiction, which means to, it's kind of the, the type of love that you read in stories. Yeah, you can't so, say that yeah. without slaying pussy. I mean, that's... Like- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, goodness, I'm I'm getting just turned on hearing you say that. Uh, but yeah, I, I I think you would definitely I'd categorize you as a, a romantic individual. All right. Do, do you know Do you know who in, yeah who potentially invented romance was the medieval French poets? I thought you were going to say Ricky Martin, but all right, Ricky Martin. <laughs> uh, the medieval French the medieval French poets. Yeah, who no talked interest. about amour courtois. Courtly love. Have we talked about courtly love? No. More courtois. It's it's amazing. It's incredible. It's a, a form of poetry uh, where basically um, people got married for a whole pile of reasons, mostly because of like an inheritance issues, property issues, <clears throat> all of that. Um, people rarely got married for love. It was kind of unheard of. But what the, these poets talked about was a type of love in which a woman would marry a nobleman. And then a knight would fall in love with the, the woman, the noble woman. Mm-hmm. 
and they could never be together. They could ne- they they rarely consummated a relationship, but he would dedicate his entire life to her. The knight. The knight would dedicate his entire life to her uh, as an impossible person, and she would accept all of that sacrifice and all that she needed to give in return was a glance the the uh, just a glance just an acknowledgement of the the existence of the night it's uh it's it's what's her name um the historical documentary game of thrones has uh what's her name shot in northern ireland where shot I'm from, in northern where ireland I'm born and raised um, which and we even might want to move back to it someplace nah, point, no. yeah. you're fine where you are and you're gonna yeah. stay put uh <laughs> the uh what's her name the uh oh the queen of dragons woman yeah no. queen of dragons oh, you, what was her name Deli- khaleesi khaleesi khaleesi, khaleesi. Yeah. sure um, the guy that was like the head knight that was right. like, yeah. That's he, courtly love. Yeah, yeah, he was always just like, anything for you, my queen, or whatever. And she was always just like, yes, you've been a good servant. And he ended up giving his life and service of her. I don't really remember, but I assume that's what happened. Yeah, that's it. That's that's premised in courtly love. And so courtly love realized that, and this is very key in psychoanalysis, is there's never two people, there's always three. And in in in, in, in courtly love the example is there's the two people who love each other and then there's the prohibition the the never two people always three let's back up okay yes that's there's a lot to unpack in that phrase law prohibition kind of the idea of an intrusive other that maintains desires that kind of thing yeah big other but even like yeah yeah big other is the main performative aspect like uh what the he who shall not be named that we definitely didn't mention his name directly you were you multiple times Uh oh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the pool, yeah, row, but yeah, yeah, I mean a third part, yeah, okay, yeah, and well, and also like at, at a very basic level, because the big other is the big main one, but you know when you're loving someone, like that your parents are in the background, your relationship with your mother is in the background. There's, you know, so there's never just two of you. It's not just, it's never just you and and the other one. You're, yeah, you are even in yourselves products of, uh, yeah. And if there was only two, there wouldn't be the development of desire. There, there's a third. So courtly love had a very sophisticated way of almost inventing romance. And then the English kind of said that you could have that in relationship, which is interesting. So the whole thing that we think now is like, because basically what the French did is they said there's love and there's desire and never the twain shall meet. Uh, but, but in the failure to meet, that's where all the pleasure is in the in the in the failure there is this mm. transcendental dimension because the woman feels amazing yeah. she feels like the the embodiment of a goddess and the man feels amazing because he has something to sacrifice his yep. entire being a for a purpose yeah like we were yeah purpose about absolute week. purpose you know and and that's so they both get something incredibly powerful out God, of it love is such a pain in the ass man yeah <sighs> who was i reading or talking it was uh Oh, it was a Reddit thing that was like, what is, uh, what sucks about being in love or something like that? Yeah. And it was like specifically asking men and the, some of the top answers, I was like, I'm very curious what this, what the answers are here that get upvoted the most, the most popular answers. Oh, and yeah. one of them was like some guy, and I related to this very much where he was like, it just takes up all of my time. Mm-hmm. It's like, I own my mental bandwidth is consumed with yeah. being in love and yep. i was like oh yeah that hit that one that one hits home it's not the worst way to be but i also like you know if you're not like i remember not being an in love person and being like 
I got time, so much time on my hands. <laughs> yeah, I can yeah. do whatever I want. I can write, like, do this, all right, but just stand up, do this, go out every night, and do this. And then when you're in love, it's like, no. I know. But that's why some <laughs> people get married, because marriage is a good way of um, of getting distance from 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 love. Well, <laughs> you sound anti-marriage when no, you no, say No, no, I'm not anti-marriage. Stuff. I think that's a good thing. I think it is a good thing. Yeah. I mean, well, oh, so marriage is a Maybe we should do a whole we should do a whole podcast on marriage. And not, yeah, I'd be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it depends. We could talk now about it. This has been a fun conversation so far. But you know what? We can't talk about everything. Otherwise, we'll have nothing else to talk about. I bet we could talk a little and talk about it more later and no one would yeah, care. Yeah, and nobody would do. But let me check the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about marriage. We got 15, yeah. 20 minutes or whatever. I yeah. got to pee a little bit. Let's, I'll hold it. I will hold my urine as a sacrifice for how much I'm loving this conversation. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because um, well, one of the advantages of marriage, which is a good thing, is in sickness and in health, richer, poor, right? So there is a certain distance of desire where, like... I'm not doing poor. Sorry, okay. guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, no. That's, yeah, you draw the line mm, there. I'm not, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're all going to be done person. We're, oh, yeah. I did that alone. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. No, I would, yeah, of course. I get it. Richer, poor, sickness and health through all things. Beautiful, yeah. right? And that, that gives, because one of the difficulties with, one of the difficulties with a very passionate relationship is, especially if you're an hysterical individual is you're always asking does the person really love me do they really what do they really think do they really love me um and and that question can never be fully answered for an hysteric but but marriage can give a certain can for can give a certain stability yeah. to that question it's on paper like, yeah it's on paper and it's like it's like okay we can go through periods where actually we don't even have to like each other and and we'll still kind of stick together and that that can kind of create a certain stability that allows you mm. not to be completely taken up by the desire Ooh, you know what i just realized pete this is why we do this podcast i just philosophize something get ready mm. Marriage is the opposite of the uh, chaperone thing. It is the uh, you're taking your desire, you're galvanizing it in a third party, which is of course a piece of paper, a document, a legal binding contract that says that you're married. And in doing so, throughout your relationship, you are able to point to some sort of other thing, some sort of tent pole, uh, a grounding thing that makes you go okay everything's okay that allows you to go through the rest of your life but it is similar to the way the chaperone when you're driving around you you know in the 50s and you got the girl and the guy and they're like why is my mom here and you, you know that or the dad and you know that they're actually creating desire because they can't have one another marriage goes we actually now will choose to love each other because we have this chaperone this ever watching eye which is of course the idea of marriage uh, itself that's very good no like you're right like when you get married there's a third and which is the audience as well like the audience watching that you're marriage is the audience commitment. right it's basically going it's some imaginary audience yeah, it's you're a big other third, audience yeah. so and that's why even whenever like two people are not getting on well you go to a, you go to a mediator because you there's a third. third like whenever i say there's always a third the third is often imaginary but actually there's so many times in our lives that we we actually have to find someone to incarnate the third so the mediator is a person who incarnates the third they are so we talk to them in order to, to encounter ourselves yeah. so yeah no there's something about marriage that is about triangulating the relationship um and i have to think about that a bit more but now i'm drinking more gin i know um, it's remarkable how little it makes you think the more you drink yeah 
there's something in romance to that too. There's also something about this weather that's not thinking weather. Ireland is thinking weather. LA is not thinking weather. Not right now, man. How's Ireland thinking weather? Because it's cold. It's rainy and drizzly, and you can look out at the ocean and, yeah, with an open fire. Yeah. And here it's like if you walk outside, you're like, kill me. Yeah. (laughs) I was getting in my car to come into your building, and I was like, this is miserable. (laughs) And I was like, looking around, I was like, it's actually kind of pretty, but in my mind, I was like, it's so. Hot. So hot. And I was like, this is terrible. But yeah. I want to go to Death Valley. Some a friend of mine was saying he sometimes drives to Death Valley just to feel the heat and the desolate nature really? of things. And so I was thinking, oh, I, sh- I need to just take a to drive Palm out Springs. there. Yeah, no, but that's nice. It is Death Valley. Have you been to? Well, I don't even. Are they close? Or are they completely different? No directions? idea. Yeah. But Death Valley, from what I can guess, is just pure desert. Um, yeah. Like really kind of like horrifically hot. um, So you want to go to the least thinking weather imaginable. Yeah. Kind of experience what that's like, but I do, I'll have to go to Palm Springs at some point. Yeah. You love it. What's the, uh, so what's your, I mean, should we go keep being romantic? Should we go, should we go work on our romance? How do what's your advice for people who want to be more quote unquote romantic? Okay. So, and now that, this will be that we'll, 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 round, is this we'll, is kind of the takeaway kind yeah. of Eric's or, segment. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I suppose romance is the, we've said it, you know, the art of bringing love and desire together. So, some people here listening to this will go, I've got the desire down, don't have the love down. Some will say, I've got the love down, I don't have the desire down. And so depending on which direction you're coming from, love this. you're going to have to think about what activities, rituals, what liturgy, right? Your, what date night is going to look like that can somehow potentially bring those two things together. And... Whenever it comes to someone who's desiring into the risk of love, there has to be, I think, something about exposing your weakness and your symptoms and your unconscious, like you're basically your kind of your lack. And for people who have the love, you think? Wait, 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 wait. That's for people who what? Who have desire? They're in a very desirous, passionate relationship, but without kind of love. You think those people are listening to this podcast? No, they're just having a good time. Who cares they're what they're doing? There. Yeah, they're out having fun. <laughs> they're just like having they're fun. grinding and having a good time. Yeah. Not even worrying about these things. All of us little lovey-doveys are like, <laughs> I know, that's the listening to the po- podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't think as many people are going to be like, thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks, bro. <laughs> Although it is very depressing for the person who who can't love. Like, ultimately, we, we look oh, at them. Oh, it's so like, sad. Who's, that, who's yeah. that guy? Who's the famous star? Joe Beretta. Yeah. <laughs> he's all fucking no love in that guy. That that? No, who are you talking about? Uh, is it, who's, he's a famous star who only has, always goes out with people. Dan Bilzerian, right? No, he was born supremacy, born, 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 uh, ultimatum, born. Is it Matt Damon? Yeah. Is it, does he have a reputation for always just going out with girls? Leonardo never, DiCaprio? Leonardo DiCaprio, that one. He has that reputation. So, Dude, I very interviewed. Very painful for him. I interviewed once a supermodel who was dating him wow. at the time and was panicking because I was like, "She's going to really fancy Leo me. Might how show. am I going to how am I going to cope with that if she starts stalking me?" Similar, but no. Um, <laughs> I did get a lot. She was very nice. She, I guess, was off camera, like saying, "Like, yeah, you like we're dating right now, but like, I hope I'm not like." 
the rest of like his girls like i hope he like really likes me okay. and uh the people the producers never they were like Mm-mm. no yeah it's, it's not, gonna, be, it's not he, gonna work out for you yeah. and it did not no like he is tyrannized with the inability to love now he may have changed but 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 it, that he is he it's seemingly from the outside yeah his it, and it would be deeply painful for him. Now he won't feel the pain. Like he's a, he he might have a despair that he doesn't realize he's in despair, but um, you know the despair is there. Um, yeah, I do wonder though sometimes if the universe just drops people into existence that are beyond the scope of realizing their own lack. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I have a feeling Leo's doing pretty good. Yeah. For himself. He's probably doing all right. I Absolutely. Mean, just, it is Dan Bilzerian though would be a more sort of colorful representation he's of that, that guy, like ultimate id. Um, uh, What's his name? Dan Bilzerian. Oh, he's the guy you put me on to. The weed guy. Incredible. Oh, that was amazing. Right? I had a great day looking at his Instagram. Dude, oh. I follow him. <laughs> I think I unfollowed him because I was like, this can't be good for me on some level, but I was like, he, he's <sighs> the, uh, and, and there are women. I, and the, the reason I got turned on him is because, uh, uh, I'm so glad I said that the correct way and I didn't mess up. Not, I'm so glad I said turned on to him and not turned oh. on by him. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Although was, I love the fact that you said that, which means we all knew what you were thinking unconsciously. I was absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, but I'm sorry. Yeah. Which by the way, th- th- that is a good Freudian slip because there is something. I'm just noticing it. The fact that I noticed it wasn't a Freudian slip. It is a Freudian slip, yeah, and our power practice, yeah. But the reason that I think that's very clever is because that, but that is there is something sex, libidinally invested in looking at his Instagram. I mean, it really there's is, you know? no, I will never not say that the like alpha dude with the muscles who knows how to throw a football and gets all the girls, there's always going to be a part of me that wishes I was that guy. And I do, I do not want to intimidate you, like, I don't want to. And yeah, I'll let you know feel. if that happens. Okay, right. I will yeah, be yeah, like, yeah, I so. can't believe it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Dan Bilzerian is sort of the. Um, and, oh, and yeah, I've heard. I've, I've, I, the reason I found out about him was because uh, during some auditions, and I heard some people and whatever, people were auditioning for a reality show, and they were like, What do you want out of a guy? Mm-hmm. And this one was like, Dan Bilzerian. Like, I want. Like, mm-hmm. the thing that I think. I think dudes who are maybe more romantic maybe more um beta would be the most simple way to put it but like like us more th- emotionally yeah, speak for yourself i know right <laughs> forgive us uh, <laughs> forgive us peons but like we like to think that like it's you know what it is it's like the dudes who vroom their engines real loud oh, when yeah. they like drive past yeah i thought for the longest you time went, you're, you you a little bit of comes out whenever you hear that, isn't it? Yeah, but always, you know, it's a medical condition. But I, for the longest time, I was like, no one, girls aren't really into that. Like, girls don't like that. There are girls who like that. Have you seen Sunset Boulevard? Um, I've seen a little bit of it. Yeah, I Helen's very into it, and it is quite addictive. Those women would be into that guy. Exactly. Yes. There are girls that you yeah. know they are, and and that plays into the make it full circle the meth hot thing, which is like that. Did, it's a version of hot that I have absolutely no interest in other than being like, okay, that makes me uncomfortably uh, pee a little bit. Yeah. Is yeah. the coded language I'll use. Yeah. Yeah. No, we have to do a whole episode on uh, on him and, and Sunset Boulevard, that the, 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 the G.I. Joe and the Barbie doll, because I think it's fascinating. And also the people here who 
reject that for various reasons. You yep. Know? Yeah. And the people who are, it's one thing to reject it too, but then you have to remember like, oh yeah, no, we're all, we come in all shapes and sizes as, as humans. And that's the most romantic thing about everybody. Guys, this, song, this song is like a, a, a Oprah Winfrey end. That was beautiful. Yeah, I was a little tear in my eye. Exactly. What's your takeaway, by the way? I want to hear your takeaway because this was your idea for a podcast. <laughs> I had no idea where it was going to go. I love it. I think we could do more on it. Um, my idea on romance is uh, I love, uh, I agree entirely. It, the the junction of love and desire um, when you can find that is uh, is perfect. I think it takes effort. I think it takes waiting. Mm-hmm. I think it takes chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's various ways to do it. Like, I mean, I use two very crazy examples. But there are less crazy examples, but that's what date nights are for. You guys are very good at date nights. Well, my girlfriend is. Holy yeah. shit. Did you see what she I did? Saw, I saw like I saw like a little Instagram clip, you know, and that's like... It made me angry. It, 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 it had the opposite effect because I was like, what the... It's still... She turned the whole room into a... It was like heaven. It was like a cloud. Wonderland. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then we did this painting thing. And I was like, I... My brain doesn't even remotely work that way. Um, but then I'll, I did something for her last night, but it was also like a gesture for the future. And it was basically for her birthday. And I like planned a thing for her birthday. And I was like, is this cool? But in my mind, going back to what we were talking about, I was like, there's that part of me that was like, I'm doing this and I'm planning this. I'm doing it in the back of my mind. I'm like, what if she doesn't like it? And so then as I'm giving to her, I'm like, you, you don't have to do this if you don't like it. But that's not romantic. You don't want to be it's like, like oh, kind of pissy about it and be <laughs> like, oh, it's okay. And so I was like, you like it, right? We're good. Okay, cool. All right. But if you don't, tell me. And it was like that guy. I'm like, Geez. Was it a very detailed description of a fantasy you wanted to live out? Is exactly. That, yeah. 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 Right. You may not want to do it. You may not want to wear this outfit. You may not. Yeah. yeah. And for some reason, she was against the whole rubber band part. And I was yeah, like, no, I got the rubber on, bands. Yeah, We're yeah. going to be great. It's risky, um, you know. I don't know what that means. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, this has been a great podcast. I've enjoyed it, but I've also had some gin. But, um, yeah. Yeah. All right. I loved it. Thanks for tuning in. Um, yeah. yeah. It's my choice next week. Do you know what it is? No, not yet. Perfect. Oedipus Complex, maybe. Ugh. Mm. All right. Motherfucker.